0: Welcome to PhotoActive, a podcast about photography in the Apple ecosystem. I'm Kirk McElhern. And I'm Jeff Carlson. This episode is brought to you by Raw Power, the ultimate raw processor for Mac and iOS. This week, we'd like to welcome a guest, Nick Bott, founder and gentleman of Gentleman Coders. Nick, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. What does it take to be a Gentleman Coder? Well, that's a
1: good question. Um, I think it takes a a desire to just want to write software that meets people's needs and that they love i mean that's all they really want to do
2: is your code more polite than others does it have really much better <laughs> manners stirred,
0: not shaken software Yeah. Okay. <laughs> nick we've invited you on the show because you have created a very interesting app for mac and for ios it's called raw power this is an app that one can use for raw files to well process them to create jpegs but also to edit them to create all sorts of adjustments can you just give us a little background on what you did before you started becoming a Gentleman Coder? Sure.
1: I've actually spent a lot of time at Apple, um, a total of 18 years. Uh, I started at Apple originally, actually right out of college. And then uh, I left, uh, spent a while doing a bunch of other things, other companies. And then I came back uh, around 2001 and then spent the next 14 years at Apple, Um in pro apps mostly. So I was in charge of uh, a lot of different products there. Uh, Soundtrack, I started Soundtrack, Soundtrack Pro. And then uh, I joined the Aperture team uh, shortly before 1.0 shipped, and then stayed uh, in the photo group for the next oh, about almost 10 years. And then at that point, I was in charge of Aperture, iPhoto, and uh, also the group that, isn't, that uh, develops Apple's Raw engine itself.
0: Right, and this is the raw engine that's used in, well, back then it was iPhoto, and now it's the Photos app that was also used in Aperture. That's correct. And so what you've done now is you've created an app using presumably not the same raw engine, but the same concepts that you used with that raw engine to make a standalone app for both Mac and iOS. Is that correct?
1: Actually, it is exactly the same raw engine. So raw power sits on top of Apple's raw engine. Oh, so you've licensed Apple's raw engine. It's uh, built into the operating system. So Apple has actually made it part of the operating system for both Mac and iOS. And so photo sits on top of that. But the thing that's actually missing are any of the advanced technologies or hooks into that uh, engine. So Aperture was the only app that provided that. And uh, now Raw Power provides those same features that were actually, you know, used very heavily by, by people in aperture.
2: So you have the advantage of being able to know what's going on deep under the hood in order to take advantage of it, rather than just sort of see where all the, the, the software hooks are, is that correct? Right.
1: So, uh, you know, having spent a lot of time working with that engine, I have a very good idea of exactly what makes it tick, uh, and then I'm able to... Uh, expose the right side of controls and how it works and kind of piece it all together in a way that gives people the results that they haven't been able to get uh, in you know, any other product uh, using Apple's engine. And so uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to do, which is give people the things that are missing, right? So Apple's gone away from the serious photographer. And what I'm trying to do is bring a lot of that functionality back. So the first step was, Put those kind of raw hooks into a photo extension. So Raw Power as a photo extension gives you all of that raw goodness that was that's just not in the Photos app. Uh, and at each step, you know, what else can we do to provide that functionality that's been missing?
0: So I hadn't realized that the raw engine was actually available to other apps. It, does anyone else make an app that uses this? Uh,
1: you know, I think people ha- are doing little bits with it here and there, but in terms of uh, you know, embracing it the way that raw power does. No, I I believe actually this is still the only app of its kind.
0: Okay, and since you sort of wrote much of the raw engine, you have unique insight into it. Well, I can't take credit
1: for having written any of the raw engine. So at that point, what I was doing was I was uh, managing the group that was responsible for the raw engine. But no, no, the people who work on Apple's raw engine are fantastic engineers that uh, that have developed this thing for years, and so I I had the uh, you know pleasure of working with them and both as a manager and also when I was in charge of aperture and iphoto working with them as they were providing that technology that that uh, we were using
0: so that explains why if i select a photo in the finder a raw file in the finder and press the space bar i can get a quick look of that photo because it's immediately processing using the raw engine though it takes a few seconds on my mac i do not have an imac pro unfortunately exactly right
1: and so there are there are the, what i'm doing is not uh, is is not secret those are the things that actually Apple provides as public interfaces right uh and so I'm just taking full advantage of that
0: so I never used aperture, but it disappeared, and I know a lot of people are unhappy about it is that you're doing very sad about that, and I was not responsible for that at all. Uh, I fought against
1: it uh but it just it didn't work out um and actually, you know i
0: I still use Aperture. Actually, that is my main photo application today. And which version of the operating system does it run in? Uh,
1: You know, I actually use it on different ones. My main photo library is still running on El Capitan, uh, but I've used it on different operating systems. But I'm just locking that down right now uh, in order to, you know, minimize any sort of risks.
2: I think there are a lot of people that are in that same position that, you know, they they used Aperture, they loved Aperture, they got to know it really well. And they're sort of in that position that I think you're you're addressing which is how do I get these tools that I'm familiar with in other applications I mean obviously you have something like you know Lightroom is a raw processor uh you know Luminar like all these other programs can do it but do they do it with Apple's approach I know that in in talking uh before this raw power has ways to sort of affect uh Apple specific spin on raw processing, um, which I'd love to get into, but I think a lot of people are they want that familiarity and they want that same power and they don't want to have to you know completely redo everything exactly right. and you know if you look at uh, what I've been doing, it's
1: recently a lot of it is trying to bring what's possible to be brought back from from aperture and it's not just the raw engine. Uh, It's the workflow. And so Aperture, one of the things that people who used Aperture really loved it, uh, they liked its particular approach to working with your photo library. And it's a different approach than a lot of other applications. It's different from Lightroom's. And so people who use Lightroom who like that approach, I think, want to work that way. Aperture people tend to want to work a different way. And um, that's something that also I try to uh, provide because I like that approach as well. So, for example, Raw Power and iOS actually has a lot of the uh, same workflows as aperture has so it's got an inspector that has these same three kinds of things and you can have it on you know, either side of the screen and you know those same kind of behaviors uh, i'm trying to again bring forward because they've been lost but you know let's let's bring them back when possible
0: jeff and i both use Fujifilm cameras and Fujifilm is a little bit the odd one out with their x-trans sensor and the raw files are a little bit different and I hang out on Facebook a little bit in a number of photo groups, and people are always asking the question, which is the best raw processor? But why does it make that much of a difference? Did, is is there that much of a difference the way one app processes a raw file and another one?
1: You know, there is quite a difference um, in some respects, and there's not in other respects. I mean, in general, the photos should look fairly similar to each other. Of course, otherwise, you're not getting... What you th- what you expect to be getting now? There's the camera, which is making its own JPEG, which is its own raw decoder, right? So it's shooting it RAW and it makes a JPEG. Right. So that's their interpretation of it, their looks. So they have their own type of noise reduction, their own kind of sharpening, their own kind of contrast and color processing. How do they deal with moiré? All those things are uh, unique to each decoder's technology and the people who work on it. You know, what do what do they want out of this photo? What do they want to emphasize? There's performance versus, you know, versus memory versus quality. Those are all the trade-offs that have to be done uh, to make a raw processor. So um, what you'll find is that people have certain um, preferences in how they like their stuff to look by camera or by the vendor itself. And so that's essentially what causes people to kind of have preferences in that respect.
0: I see, because I'm thinking less of the JPEG that comes out of the camera, but more of the way people say that this one's sharper and this one's better. Lightroom or what is it? Capture one, or I, I don't even pay attention to all these. So in, in this episode, he's Abbott Nam Costello. I'm the guy who doesn't do much processing of my photos. I'm very happy with Apple's photos app. I do shoot raw and JPEG, but often I'll just keep my JPEGs and not do anything with the raw photos. Whereas Jeff, he knows all the ins and outs of this. So you will have to explain some of these things to me because I'm a little bit thick as far as raw files are concerned. <laughs> I know many of the in,
2: ins and outs. Not not nearly as much as Nick. About I'm sure. This stuff. I haven't. Oh, that doesn't mean I retain it in uh, my brain. Okay. <laughs> I mean, actually, you know, if if we could take a step back, we discussed raw in a previous episode. But I would really love to hear from Nick. Can you give a you know one minute summary of like what makes raw different not just that you know it's unedited data from the the sensor and and all that but you mentioned the you know dealing with uh, sharpening and moire and like like why are those things built into uh the raw file format and what can you do with that versus like just throwing a jpeg and and you know using something to correct moire or to sharpen like where's that advantage yeah that's a
1: really good question uh and so let's let's take a let's start by comparing just sort of raw versus JPEG uh, conceptually. So we've already we know of course raw is, as you says the basic sensor data. But mm-hmm. raw is has a lot of benefits over JPEG. So first of all, you got a lot more color data. So those files are twelve or fourteen bit, which means you have a lot more color range per pixel. So you just get you get deeper pixels, you get a wider range of colors. So the the, the color gamut can be wider, you get it more more range of colors, and each color value itself, there's more range of colors. Also, JPEGs are inherently compressed, but RAW files are not compressed, so they are generally going to be sharper. You can see that if you shoot a RAW and you look, for example, you have an application which might show you a preview, a JPEG preview, and you go into edit and it becomes sharper. Well, that's partly because of the inherent greater sharpness of a RAW file. Also, uh, RAW files, they can store information that's uh, brighter than white. So JPEGs can only go so bright. And uh, at that point, you lose any additional data, but that data was captured by the camera. And in a raw file, that information is actually present and can be what's called recovered. So you can bring that data back. For example, uh, clouds, right? You may have a sky that just looks white, but you may have seen it as actually having some detail in the clouds. That was actually there, that's in the raw file, and you can bring that back. You can also have a lot better uh, results if you have tricky white balance situations. So raw files are much better for white balance correction. Um, things like moiré, Mar- like which you mentioned, moiré is trickier to fix after you have already done all the color processing. So when you take a JPEG out of a camera uh, with that JPEG or you know whatever you've done to it, now you've baked in a lot of the processing And it's more difficult to correct artifacts and more is fundamentally an artifact. So RAW lets you correct artifacts. Noise reduction is much easier to correct in a RAW file than a JPEG. You get better sharpness. You get exposure latitude to fix uh, highlights, white balance. Uh, You don't have those compression artifacts, wider color, deeper color. So there's a lot there in a RAW file.
2: That was a fantastic, concise explanation, thank you. But there are
0: a lot of terms that I'm not too clear on, so we're gonna take a break and when we come back, we're gonna go into this in a little bit more detail and you're gonna explain exactly what raw power does that the other raw converters don't. Raw Power 2.0 has just been released for Mac and iOS. Raw Power lets you process raw files on your Mac with full control over Apple's raw engine, offering features previously available only in Aperture. It has exceptional highlight recovery as well as noise reduction, capture sharpening, gamut mapping, and more. You can use RAW Power to make high-quality adjustments to your images to make them look exactly the way you want. RAW Power also works with JPEGs, TIFFs, and other standard image formats. RAW Power 2.0 runs as an extension in Apple Photos or as a standalone app. If you use the photo extension, your non-destructive edits will sync over iCloud photo Library. Raw Power 2.0 for iOS is a full photo library app that offers the same features and works with your existing iOS photo library. It fully supports iCloud photo library so you can edit on iOS and continue editing on your Mac or other iOS device non-destructively. Find out more about Raw Power at rawpower.app. That's rawpower in one word, .app. Okay, you dropped a lot of vocabulary. And now I'd like to, well, discuss some of these things because I have a photo open in Raw Power right now. And I'm looking in the raw processing section. So this app offers a number of the usual editing sliders, brightness and contrast and curves and sharpening and cropping and things like that. But the raw processing section has things that I've never seen. There's something called Boost, there's Black Boost, there's... Luma noise and color noise is raw sharpen and raw contrast. Can you tell us what all these mean? And this apparently is what sets raw power apart from other raw processors.
1: There are a lot of um, uh, sliders in the raw processing, and you are correct. That is its main uh, differentiator in in the respect in in respects to raw processing. So let's start with boost. So boost is actually the key in some respects to raw power's highlight recovery. So Apple's raw engine, um, like other raw engines, will go through the process of processing the raw to make it look a certain way, deal with its noise characteristics, or just take the sensor data and produce an image. However, every raw processor also has a custom sort of look to it. And that, I mentioned that before, which is uh, they have a certain – maybe they're more punchy in their color or you know, how they deal with contrast. So Apple has one too. The interesting thing is they uh, let developers actually control that look, and that's what the boost slider does. The boost slider is actually essentially a slider over Apple's look. How much of it do you want to apply If you move it all the way to off, you get essentially a flat-looking raw image. So raw images inherently are kind of flat-looking. They don't have a lot of contrast to them. Uh, So boost is defaulted to on and maximum, so you get the nice-looking developed image. But sometimes people turn it off to get uh, a flat image to start with.
0: So if I look at a raw file in my photos library, and I'm in edit mode and I choose to use the raw for editing, will I see that file with the boost at the maximum setting? Is that what it means? Yes, by default, boost is set uh,
1: to fully on. So one is for the Apple look, but the other thing that's super, super important is for highlight recovery. So boost, besides um, dealing with the sort of overall look and and, and contrast and, and stuff, also tends to make images brighter. And so if you don't have access to the boost control And you just do something like, uh, you know, a highlight slider or recovery slider, you end up actually uh, fighting with the boost slider. The boost slider actually makes it brighter again. So you try to recover those highlights and then boost just makes it brighter again. And you can make some progress, but not nearly as much progress as if you could just tell boost to just, you know what, hang on, I'm doing something here. (laughs) So you take the boost slider and you drag it down, not all the way, halfway is good enough. And that kind of calms it down a little bit and say, okay, you know, you don't have to do quite so much. I'm working here. And then mm-hmm. when you move recovery, and then when you move other sliders, it's amazing what the results are. And so that's a critical piece which makes the highlight recovery and raw power so good, okay. is its control over boost. Um, and you know as as you mentioned, a lot of sliders here. Uh, some of them, black point is actually a really important slider too. That is represents essentially what the decoder calls black. So there is a, a black floor to images And everything below that is considered black. And you might think, well, why not just make that zero? But you'll get things like noise and stuff like that. So the black point, when you control that, if you have an image that's extremely dark and in the shadows, by using the black point slider, you can actually uh, bring up a lot of detail which might be missing. And you're doing it as part of the raw adjustment itself. So you're not doing it after the fact. You're not doing it when you've done a bunch of other things. So you're kind of establishing the developing process and setting those key parameters as early as possible.
0: I like playing with the black point, and I do this in, in photos uh, quite a lot, because if you raise the black point a little bit, I find you get more of a film look to photos.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely true. And uh, you'll find with uh, iPhone uh, RAW files, uh, manipulating the black point is actually really important for a lot of images because of just the way that the files are um, written out by Apple, sometimes that black point is really key to getting the uh, the type of look that you're going for. Uh, so it's kind of the other end. You know, boost is kind of that overall the color, the brightness, and the black point is kind of the other end of it. So they're both really important.
0: There's one button that I don't see in Raw Power, and it's probably the one I use the most. Again, remember I'm the guy who doesn't do a lot of editing. But often when I bring a file into Photos and I go into edit mode, I click the little magic wand just to see what Photos recommends. And then I'll adjust from there after the sliders have used their AI or neural engine or whatever it is. But you don't have that. That's true.
1: And uh, it's been a request from customers. It's something I'd actually like to add. But what I found is a lot of these um, auto enhancements, uh, they're, as you kind of said, kind of hit or miss. And so I'm starting to work on one which i think will do more of what people are looking for so that's something that i think is a future direction rather than uh
0: something right now okay i i find that for me it's it gives me an idea of what's possible and then i can work from there because sometimes i know what i want and sometimes i don't
2: correct me if i'm wrong in in understanding how the files work so let's say kirk clicks the magic wand and he sees what happens he's like "Uh, i like it but I want to do more with it. I think I can do more with it. He could then use the Photos extension to send that to Raw Power. And then is Raw Power going to be working with that corrected version? Or will Raw Power just grab the raw file from Photos and sort of start um, fresh?
1: So if you edit an image in the Photos app uh, and then send it to Raw Power or any Photos extension for that matter... Mm-hmm. then the extension will receive a JPEG, which has gotcha. all of the adjustments applied. Yeah, so you could not auto-adjust it in photos and then continue working with the RAW for a couple of reasons. One is the adjustments that Apple has put in, um, they don't provide those adjustments. So, you know, we'd, we'd have to have the exact same set of adjustments and all the parameters in every single extension in order to to, to display it. Mm-hmm. So what it happens is instead they generate a full-size JPEG and then send that off to the extension.
0: I was told by one developer that they send a TIFF file, not a JPEG. Is it always a JPEG? It depends on uh, how you
1: uh, are actually engaging the features. So if you are in photos and you use the photo extension, then you're going to get either the original image or a JPEG. If you use the photos edit with feature, which is in one of the menus and you can say edit with and you can basically send it to another application, then it's sensitive.
2: Uh, see, this is all great because I think people get really confused about this because on the surface it looks like it's f- pretty straightforward. But as we've discovered, you know, just in in talking with you uh, also separately, you know, like like what actually gets sent over both here and in iOS and what gets
0: processed, it's a black box. So I'm sorry, I'm just jumping in to say I'm fascinated. <laughs> I, I, I do find this fascinating. But see, one of the things for me is. I, I very much like the ability to have all my editing and my library management in the same app. So using working on the raw files in another app and then in bringing them into my library app, which is Photos, it always seems that that's a bit clunky because then if I want to change something, I mean, I know that, I assume that if I edit a file in raw power, I can save that file with all the edits, but I still have to convert it to a JPEG to put it into Photos. Then if I want to go back, I have to go back no?
2: No, I think no. so. You're shaking your head. <laughs> I think I think the ideal workflow here is you bring your your raw images into photos, and then you say, I want to edit this photo in Raw Power because I want to take
0: advantage of, of all of no, its I'm tools. No, I'm not talking about using the extension. I'm talking about if I use the standalone app. Yes, oh. that
1: is absolutely true. So, okay. The, so so Raw Power exists in these two states, right? There's the standalone app, and then there's Photos Extension. If you are using Photos, then it's best to use the Photos Extension because you don't have to do any of that stuff. When you edit the image in the raw power extension, you get every single adjustment that's in the standalone app. So there's no difference in the editing function. They're identical. Okay. And then when you save the adjustments, it goes back into the library. It saves a full-size image, and it saves all the adjustments into the photo library. So then if you want to re-edit it, you just go back in the extension, and you continue non-destructive editing. So as a photos user, you'd want the extension.
0: Okay, but see that doesn't work with every app. I use Affinity Photo sometimes, and when I use it through the extension, it dumps the file back and it doesn't save the edits. So I'm I've got a JPEG and I, I I've lost all I've lost all ability to tweak the edits that I've made.
1: Yeah, I suggest sending them an email about that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> They're not doing it right. See, th- no, but this is confusing to to people like me who don't have a lot of experience editing. You've just opened my eyes to the ability to have so much more power. And not have that constraint that i thought was the case with all well
2: and also sorry nick for just jumping in but also you know my experience with this is raw power is treating files the way apple wants them to which means when you make an edit it is saving all the adjustments it's saving like the preview of that but you can always go back to your original but you can also always push it back Using the extension back into raw power, if you're like, oh wow, I really overcooked the shadows on that. I need to bring this down. You can do that later on. It's it's not like you have to to do all your editing in one batch and then you're just burning it uh, into pixels forever.
1: Do I have that right?
2: You have it exactly right. And okay, good. So so the key. So the,
1: what's what's really good about this extension is, as you said, it's it's designed to work the way Apple wants these things to work, and you know that's part of what I want to do. So it's, it's integrate into the Apple ecosystem uh, fully and correctly. So you, when you are in photos and you go into edit, it's going to use Apple's raw engine to decode that image. It's going to look a certain way. You go into raw power and you open up that image, it's going to look exactly the same way. It's the same raw engine. Then you make those adjustments, you save it back, and now it saves the adjustment in the library. And those adjustments, not only do they get saved in the library, they get actually saved and synced through iCloud. So if you are using iCloud Photo Library, you can actually non-destructively edit with Raw Power's extension across your different Macs. And you can do it non-destructively between Mac and iOS. So the iOS Raw Power also understands all those adjustments, also has the same set of adjustments, same engine, same everything. So you can actually, with the extension, and the raw power app on iOS, um, edit through iCloud seamlessly and non-destructively.
0: How does that work? Does it just save like a text file that indicates the, the the different elements that have been adjusted?
1: It's saving the adjustment parameters. So for any given image, it said, "Oh, I moved boost this amount, or I have this curve, or whatever." It stores that adjustment as as, as a block of basically, uh, you know, binary, essentially, and that goes into the photo library, and then uh, it gets picked up by iCloud and sent to all the devices. And so then when those other devices, uh, when you pick that same image and go into editing, it then um, sucks that file back down again, essentially, or that blob of data, and then raw power interprets it and sets the sliders.
0: Okay, I didn't realize it was that
1: simple. Yeah.
2: I do want to call attention to one feature in Raw Power 2 that I thought was super cool, which is, and I'll let Nick explain it because he's much better at this, but basically you can set presets for a specific kind of camera so that when you open any file from that camera, let's say you know that all your Canon images have a little bit of a green tinge or they're a little washed out. You can say, look, I don't want to have to do this, adjustment every single time I open a file. So anything from this Canon camera that I shoot, I want Raw Power to just apply this preset and it just does it automatically. Do I have that right? Exactly.
1: So uh, okay. Raw Power has a preset system, but it also has built into it a camera preset system. So it lets you essentially get a starting point for any camera, as you said. I Boy, I really like to always uh, you know bump up the, the shadows on this or a little bit of saturation or a specific curve I like to do on every single image. And you can do it per camera. So it can be tuned, especially with the pro- raw processing part of it. But I want to tweak the raw processing a certain way for this type of camera. I've got this, you know, Canon 5D, uh, and I like to do it this certain way or this or this Nikon or this Sony or whatever. And every single one can be different, which is important because those, those cameras are so different. You've got a Fuji, and Fujis have, as you said, very specific characteristics to it. I don't want that to apply to my iPhone images. So I'm going to have that preset work that way. And I've got that starting point, and now I go proceed. So it's a big time saver, and it provides that sort of consistency, I think, you want in your
0: images. Yeah, especially because there's no batch processing in Apple Photos. The the only workaround is to make all your edits to a specific photo, and then you go into the, what is it, the edit menu, and you copy image adjustments, and then you paste them to other photos. But that's time consuming, whereas if you do need a preset for a specific camera, specific lighting, specific lens, or whatever, that is practical. Right. This is all fascinating, and you've just opened up a whole new world of possibilities to me. I, I have been playing with the app for a while, but I just haven't understood what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> what's the quickest way to – what? what what's, the, what's the shortest learning curve for, for raw power?
1: You know, I'd say that um, probably the best thing to do is there are uh, a couple of good short uh, YouTube videos by this guy I know, uh, me, um, that <laughs> – uh, um, kind of walk through the features, uh, basically giving a bit of a demo to kind of show you what the different, uh, most important things are. Uh, there's also obviously help in there, but uh, that's probably a good way to kind of get started. Um, so for example, in, in Raw Power, for by, by I should mention in Raw Power 2.0 for iOS and Mac, um, the Mac standalone app, but in Raw Power iOS, which is the app that actually works with your photo library. So it's, it's more akin to photos in that respect. It actually has batch processing. Oh, OK. So you can actually go through. Yeah, you can go through and pick you know, a bunch of images and say, make them all black and white, or you know, apply this preset, or whatever. So um, a lot of things. Again, things that are missing from the core photo applications now, I'm trying to put into these applications. Uh, and so there's videos now. There's videos for the older versions, and then there'll be videos. There's videos online now for the new versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, that walk through those features to give you a sense for how it works. And that's probably the best way. It's, you know, five to 10 minutes long and I think you get a good idea.
0: Great. We'll put links to all that in the show notes. Nick Bott, thank you very much for joining us. This has been truly enlightening and I'm going to spend some time with this and I'm going to ask Jeff for some help when I don't understand things because he knows a lot about this better than I do. But thanks so much for taking time to talk with us. Thank you. I had a great time. Okay, time for our snapshots. Jeff, what have you got this week?
2: I've got a really obscure snapshot today. There's this company in California, and they make this thing called an iPad Pro. Perhaps you've heard of it. I have indeed. Yeah, so um, I currently have the new 12.9-inch iPad Pro. Apple has has sent me a review unit so that I can write about it. And um, it is a beautiful photo machine. It has a great screen, but if you ever used the 12.9-inch model uh, that came out a couple of years ago, uh, it's big. It was really, really big. So imagine that same screen, but with far less actual body around it, because Apple has given it the iPhone 10 approach, where there's no home button, there's no forehead to it, like there's just a, a small bezel around it. Is there enough? So far, there is a. Actually, there's not a notch. No, the the notch uh, area is like the the cameras are built into the bezel. Uh, that's a good point. I had I had not even noticed because you had not thought of that. I with don't see all the, the notch the, anymore. About the notch on the I other know, phones. I know. It's crazy. I'll also point out that the the Apple Pencil 2.0 uh, is great because it feels better, um, it charges magnetically when you uh, stick it on part of uh, the iPad Pro. I haven't really used this a whole lot, uh, and I'm you know, going to be putting it through its paces. But if you have an older iPad and you're thinking maybe this is the year
0: to do it, uh, these are very good options. Well, interestingly, I ordered a 12.9 inch iPad, and I've returned it. What? I found it too heavy, too big and finally too expensive. If you just think that the, the, the new equivalent of the smart cover costs more than 10% of the cost of the iPad, and the pencil costs about 15% of the cost of the iPad, I love the display is magnificent, and, and face ID is great, and the swipe gestures and all that. But I just realized, you know, I'm used to a 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and I like the ability I can pick it up with one hand and not harm myself. Whereas with that 12.9, you put that the, even the simple folio cover, not the keyboard cover, the, the, the equivalent to the smart cover, which now has to have a back, that weighs 237 grams. That's 50% of the weight of the iPad itself. This, it's just too heavy for me. Okay. So I sent it back. I am
2: surprised that, that you sent it back. Um, but... I totally get it because what I did not say is that I am also getting used to the size because I like the iPad Pro that I own is a 9.7 inch, and that is a really great size. And I've also used the, the uh, 11 inch uh, before. Um, so, you know, just like cameras, this is a really good opportunity to go and get a feel for it before you buy it or buy it and, and return it. Kirk,
0: what do you have this week that did not get returned? This week, I want to mention something that probably every photographer has and that photographers should maybe use more often. I saw an article about this a few days ago about how important the tripod is. It doesn't matter which tripod. It's just the fact that you put your camera on a tripod and it sits there and you're not holding it in your hands. It's not shaking. You can do all sorts of things that you can't do with a handheld camera. You can do an exposure that's... A half a second, and you don't have to worry about movement. And one of the interesting things about a tripod is it frees you from this cramped position you're in when you're trying to take a picture. It makes you slow down. It makes you take time. It makes you look more carefully. Because you're setting up a tripod, you're adjusting the legs and the central column, and you're you're checking the little level thing to make sure it's perfectly balanced. And in all that time, you're thinking about the photo you're going to take. Then you look through the viewfinder or the LCD And one of the great things about a tripod is that you can get much more depth of field because you can do slower shots. If you're doing something handheld, you might not be able to go to f11 unless you raise the ISO an awful lot. Whereas with a tripod, you can set something to f11, shoot a half a second shot. You will have no movement unless there's wind or something like that. So it's something that I spent a lot of time with this summer when I was shooting flowers. And I plan to take with me more often when I go to take pictures of things, not when I'm walking around the neighborhood that would just look creepy. But anytime I go someplace in a car with the camera bag and all that.
2: This is a topic that we could definitely go deep into. And I, I look forward to us doing an episode about it because there are so many different aspects of tripods. We need to find somebody who can like help us talk through this because you know there's materials, there's size, there's different kinds of locking mechanisms, there's ball heads. So yes, I agree. Tripod really is an essential piece of kit that uh, everybody should have and you don't have to spend a huge amount of money you can absolutely spend a huge amount of money but to get started it's something you can get easily
0: well let's make a date that we will do an episode on tripods in the near future sounds good we'll have to get three of us because it's a tripod never mind thanks for listening to photoactive You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in the show, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or in Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review on iTunes or in your podcast app. Don't forget to check out Raw Power on the Mac App Store or the iOS App Store. Or visit rawpower.app. That's rawpowerinoneword.app for more information and to download a demo of the Mac version. Until next week, thanks again for listening.